Getting hitched? There's a podcast for that, and you're listening to it. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. Episode 112 is where we are at. I'm Alicia, the host of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the bride chiller. I was going to say whisperer, but I never whisper. Clearly, if you know me, if you've listened to all 111 episodes so far, you'd know whispering is something I don't do very well. So uh, the bride chiller maker, bride chiller nurturer, I don't know. Let's work on that together. We'll workshop it as we go. Thank you so much to all the lovely people who are choosing to support the Save the Date Wedding Podcast by purchasing a Bride Chiller t-shirt or tote. There are heaps of others. One of my favorites, and I know it's a bit naughty, is a tote bag that I've designed using a phrase called wedding porn. And surprisingly, maybe unsurprisingly, it's got nothing to do with sex or anything sort of seedy. I'm talking about wedding pornography, as in wedding magazines, wedding Pinteresty things, folders, all the stuff that we collect when we're planning a wedding. I know you've probably got a folder or some sort of pile in a room. We had a bit of a pile that we had in our sort of spare bedroom that we'd just pile more shit onto, like brochures and things that you go, oh, I might need that. Don't throw it away. Even though you're not going to use that pamphlet, just recycle it or tear it up and use it if you've got a wood fire in your house. I don't know how many people listening have an active wood fire. We're not from the Game of Thrones era. Or if you're, if you're landowning gentry, maybe you do have an open fire in your house. Congratulations and thank you for listening to my show. Please buy a tote bag. No, basically wedding porn is all about saying it's a bag. It's a tote bag where you can carry all that stuff. Or maybe you can just, you don't have to carry it. Just stash it in the bag so you haven't got a weird pile like we had at our house. That's just one of the things that I am uh, uh, selling on the Save the Date podcast.com website. Today is Q&A Thursday, one of my favorite days of the week. I like to say this because it means I get to go through all of your wonderful emails and messages and pick some great questions that I think have relevance to all of us. And today I've got some wonderful, diverse questions, including one from a bloke. And also I'm going to bring you a little clip of something. It's Look, things happen in my life. I always sort of wish I cart my big microphone around with me. I can't always do that, but I happen to be on a flight. Actually, if you've listened to last Monday's episode where I'm interviewing my mother-in-law, Veronica, I was on a plane and I got talking, of course, to the gentleman beside me. And he happened to have a pretty neat story about his wedding DJ. And it did bring me back to how wonderful, wonderful, wonderful talking to Tony, my lovely wedding DJ guest a couple of weeks ago was. And uh, it seems that the guy, Steve, who I talked to on the plane, the gentleman that he had DJ his wedding was the complete opposite of Tony. So I thought I'll play you that clip. It was recorded... Um, on a plane, so you can hear all the plane noises. Of course, I didn't have my professional mic, but I think it's still funny and interesting, and I never miss an opportunity to try and grab some audio wherever I am. If someone's got a good story, I try and record it. I wanted to start this episode today by answering a question from a lovely listener called Olivia. Now, let me share her email with you. She says, Alicia, congratulations on the 100th episode. I'm still a big fan and listening intently every Monday and Thursday. Keep it coming. Well, Olivia, thank you for your thank yous. And it was lovely hitting the 100. And now, you know, it's funny when you get to a goal, you just power on and get to the next goal. 
I was like, oh, a hundred. Awesome. And I ate a cupcake. If you saw on Facebook or Twitter, there was a picture. We, Rich and I bought a couple of cupcakes and did some photos and videos of me blowing out a candle. It was just really an excuse for us, us to purchase a cupcake and eat it. It was from the Hummingbird Bakery. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, it's, of course you have. If you've been anywhere, you've heard of the Hummingbird Bakery. And they make these cupcakes, which I think are laced with crack. And that's not a liable statement, a liable statement. I'm just saying there is something in those cupcakes that just fuels something in me that's wrong. It's delicious and wrong. So... Anyway, thank you, Olivia, for your thank yous. Um, she says, I would like to hear your thoughts on the bride speaking at the wedding. And then she goes on and she says, this is my idea. I don't think I want to do a speech because I think I may get a little bit anxious. However, I would like to get my voice out there, if that makes sense. Perfect sense. My fiance and I have been talking about the speech section of our wedding being a little too quote unquote male heavy and how refreshing it is when you hear the bride's voice too. Couldn't agree more. I think I might like to introduce the speeches and essentially be the MC for the speeches section. My mum thinks this job would be better off suited to a bridesmaid because part of the speeches might be about me. So it might be more fitting if I'm an observer. And I see her point. Oh, good. I like that you're bringing different perspectives. I'm sure my sister would be really thrilled to do this. On the other hand, I think I want to have a chance to address our guests, our guests, our guests as a group and introduce some important men in our two families. It might also get all those mushy feelings of love from them. I'm guessing I'm going to get that and I'm going to feel that out from me. Too much hogging the spotlight from the bride or not? Perhaps you know of a better way for the bride's voice to be heard. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you again for the hours of entertainment, advice, wisdom and laughs you have given me. Oh my goodness, Olivia, I was so encouraged by your question because as a strong-willed feminist and as someone who spoke happily at her wedding, I know that a lot of brides... Well, don't even think, which is annoying to me, don't even consider the the opportunity to speak at their wedding. And also, it's not often done, which really gives me the shits. Because we go to all this effort to get a boyfriend or girlfriend, to hook up with them, to get engaged, to plan this bloody huge event, and then we sit like silent suffragettes at the weddings. Now, I don't think that's very appropriate. It, it goes to this whole thing I've been banging on about, about these sort of useless traditions of weddings, that the bride shall remain silent throughout the whole thing. And I think it's time, bride chillers, that if you wish to speak at your wedding, then you fucking rip off that gag and you get up and you say whatever you want. Fuck tradition. And look how, see, I've got the swears on now because I'm getting quite annoyed. Get rid of that idea that you have to be quiet and that... Your voice isn't relevant in this situation, which I find ridiculous because the other part of this cliche and the traditions are, it's the bride's day, it's all about the bride, yet we never hear the bride speak because she's just there to look pretty but not say a word. So, Olivia, I have quite a few suggestions for you and for you out there who may be considering a similar sort of situation, who might be thinking, okay, I would like to have my voice heard, but I don't really know how to do it in an appropriate way. So first of all, I, again, at our wedding, of course, being 
a professional speaker, being someone who is a professional loudmouth is probably what my friends and family would probably call me. Of course, I got up and did a speech and made it all about me. And Rich got up and did a speech. And our lovely friend Dan, who was my best man, did a speech. And our friend Kath did a speech. And you might be going, that's a lot of speeches. They were fast. They were friendly. They were warm and gorgeous. And I wouldn't have it any other way. If you've heard numerous episodes that I've done uh, over the last 112 episodes about making choices when it comes to who is talking and the length of speeches, it's always important, no matter who you are asking to speak at your wedding, to set a bit of a time limit. We have all been to an event where someone gets that microphone in their hand and for something, for some reason, something happens inside them and they become this sort of self-indulgent manure speaker who just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. talks. This is actually a bit of a reaction to nervousness for a lot of people that they get up there, they're really nervous about it. They feel like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. And then they start to talk and then they just don't know when to switch off. And take it from me, I've done quite a few corporate gigs in my life where someone's doing a speech or a thank you speech and an awards thing. I've done awards shows where you're like, oh my God, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And you can see the audience just going, whoa, I'm going to need you to be quiet now. And as a host, as an MC, as someone who's paid to be there, it sort of sucks having to wind people down or wind them up and sort of go, okay, thank you. That's great. And try and make it fun and interesting and easy to try and get that microphone out of their hands. But at a wedding, if you have an MC that's probably not used to doing that and probably not as ballsy and not being paid, <laughs> it can be a little hard. So whatever you do, whoever you ask, it is not rude to say, hey, I'd just like you to keep your speech to about three to five minutes. And there's a bell. There's a bell to be rung if you go over. Just threaten, even if there's no bell. I know it sounds finicky, but I'm thinking about your timeline. I'm thinking about your uh, boredom threshold of your audience. I'm not to say that some people won't do an amazing 20-minute speech, but leave that for later. And uh, also, you just want everything to go smoothly and not have to be worried about, you know, Uncle John who's getting up and doing his 19-minute diatribe about relationship breakdowns or whatever on your wedding day. You don't need to hear that shit. You don't need to. However, we digress we go back to Olivia's question. I actually think that the idea of the hostess MC is on one one sort of situation a really good idea, but I'm also actually inclined to agree with your mum that perhaps on the day to actually have another job, an additional sort of situation you have to deal with, such as running the wedding speeches, I don't necessarily think that that should be something you should be having to worry your head about. You should be able to sit back and really enjoy the speech period, the speech part of your wedding, and not have to worry about exactly what I was just talking about, keeping people to time and uh, also just taking it in. One moment at our wedding, I think I've said this before, is that my dad really pulled it out of the hat with his speech, and I was not expecting it. I mean, he's, he's a confident speaker, but he really, wow, he really blew our socks off. And I think if I was hosting the event, luckily we had our lovely friend Julia doing it, who did a cracking job. And, uh, you know, we were completely in her hands and we were confident that she would, and she did, 
keep keep the day on track and also just get it all done so we could get dancing really enjoyed it though but if I hadn't been if we didn't have someone like Julia running the show uh, I don't think I would have been as focused and as attentive so I don't think the MC job unless you feel really confident with that and happy that maybe there's only a couple of people to introduce maybe that might not be the way to inject a bit of Olivia into the day I do however think that reading your email even again just now that this is totally the day to make it about you you're worried about getting up there and saying something that you know you're saying that it might be indulgent it might be too much Olivia well as I said before when I got a bit ranty bit angry that the day is about the couple it's about you and your partner and it's about you declaring your love and saying what you want. So my gut says, do a speech. Just take two minutes. You don't have to do a long speech. And you can say something from the heart. You can have a moment to shine that's not just all about the aesthetics of how gorgeous you look. And you can get up there and thank the beautiful people in your life. You can say what you want about your partner. You can say something about the bloody caterers. It doesn't really matter. You don't want to regret not doing things and trust me, <laughs> the wedding day for you and for everyone else listening, never will you be in front of such a captive and supportive audience than that of your wedding day. So even though it's easier said than done by saying, hey, just get up there, just do it. Because, um, <laughs> you know, it's not easy for everyone to get up in front of a group of people. But it's not a group of strangers. No one is judging you. The opposite. They'll think you're amazing. And there is no need to be anxious. I think you just need to maybe, depending on your experience with public speaking and your level of nerves, I think you need to be able to maybe make a dot point. I would say to most people that preparing a speech and writing it out word for word it sort of loses it for me I think if you can wing something and pre-prepare the points that you want to make without having to go I am really grateful to be here today because it's very hard to read something and make it sound natural and just even if you have them the dot points there to prompt you if you go okay I'm going to mention today I'm going to mention how wonderful um you know the day has been and how great it feels to finally hook up with someone that I love and blah blah blah. I mean you know there are easy points which clearly I'm a professional there did you hear how (laughs) that would have been a great speech to listen to really I'm just saying if you've got a plan and a vibe just dot point it out make sure you know which direction you want to go to and if you feel like you're going to go over have a friend signal you. You know at stand-up gigs, I don't know if you've ever been to a stand-up comedy gig, and it, it usually happens in sort of smaller clubs where we're doing um, open mic sets, maybe you're doing a 10-minute bit, whatever, and at the back of the room, the audience never really sees this, but the back of the room, the person running the gig or the techie has a torch or a light that only you can see. It shines towards the stage. And it's a signal. So if, you, if you're doing a five-minute set, like maybe it's really early on in your career and you're getting up and you're doing your bit, that they will give you a one-minute warning before the five minutes is over. And also during comedy festival, whenever I do it, if you're doing straight stand-up, some nights if you have a really good night and you are improvising stuff and you're going off on your own tangents, I would always ask my tech, my sound person, 
to give me a five-minute light at the end. So I knew if I had gone off on a tangent and having a really good time, or perhaps not, uh, that I knew that I had five minutes to wrap it all up. So one thing you can do, and I'm not saying you install a stand-up comedy light at the back, but if someone can give you a wind-up indicator, maybe a, a small tap on the leg, or a <laughs> if you have a DJ, maybe they can do a small signal. These are just techniques that you can pick up um, to make sure. And also that's something you can do for your other people. I said before about people going over time. If you have a signal that everyone else can't see, that might be a nice discreet way to let people know to wind it down. So look, Olivia, I think you would be silly, spoken like a true mum, be silly to waste that opportunity not to get up and have a moment to shine and say what you want to say and right the wrongs of many other weddings where women have been completely not given a voice. If that isn't the true sign of a bride chiller, then I don't know what is. So thank you. And if you are considering doing a speech or making sort of vast changes to some of these well, uh, I would say archaic rules and traditions that we could perhaps just ditch very easily. Let me know. I would like to hear your feminist perspectives of weddings. What are you doing? What are you ditching? What are you changing? What are you manipulating? What are you ignoring? What are you chucking down the toilet? I don't care. What are you doing to make your mark and uh, to really reflect that we're living in 2015 slash 16, if you're listening to this next year or 2020, uh, that we don't have to do things like we're, you know, from the dark ages, basically. Okay, Olivia, thank you so much for writing. I wish you all the best with your speech making and please let me know how it goes. There will be more Q&A questions and a very funny story about a coked up DJ after this. As I said earlier in the show, I always try, if I hear a story, I try and record it. If someone's talking about weddings or something to say, I will whip out a microphone wherever I can. And I wasn't expecting to be sitting next to a quite a talkable, talkative chap called Steve recently. And when I mentioned that I was doing a wedding podcast, I got the usual response of like, what is that? What do you mean? A podcast? What is it? But when we started to talk about weddings, Steve came out with this story and I had to say, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. I need to record this. This is crazy. So look, here's Steve's story. Hi, I'm Steve. Steve, I'm, just, I'm sitting next to Steve on the plane. This is recorded on the iPhone, so I'm sorry for the shitty audio, but Steve's got a great story. Let's hear it, Steve. We booked the venue and decided to have the in-house band for the music. Right. Just before our actual wedding day, they decided to outsource the music to a DJ. Okay. Did they tell you that? By email. Right, that's shifty, but okay. Two days before the wedding, I think it was. So, subsequently, the DJ turns up, is very Jack the Lad, but doesn't have our first song that was requested. He just doesn't have it with him? No, not at all. What a dick. <laughs> and he couldn't even find it on his playlist. Oh, my God. Does he heard of a thing called iTunes? <laughs> Obviously not. So, we choose a new first dance. What is the song? Can I ask what the song was? Can I ask my wife? Hey, all right, that? he doesn't know the song. We're gonna we're gonna ask his lovely wife in a moment. <laughs> what was the first song we should have had? Oh, she's forgotten it too. We've only just begun. Oh, we've by the only couple. just begun. That's the one. Thank you. I could have come and sang it. And we ended up with Groovy Kind of Love. 
Okay, well, Phil Collins is a great backup, <laughs> yeah. but it's not. Yes, I shall oh, be hang switching on. off the cabin lights. No, oh, she's landing. This is just routine procedure. She's just added. You'll find the reason why you can have above your head should you require it. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Carry on. Carry on enjoying the rest of our evening. Yep. The DJ leads his booth for quite a while, leaving it playing via his laptop. Right. Just uh, doing what DJs do. Absolutely. I needed to use the toilet, so as I went to the toilet, I could hear someone sniffing very loudly <gasps> oh, no. in one of the cubicles. Uh, I put two and two together, pushed the door open firmly, and the DJ was snorting cocaine on the back of the toilet. Wow. Wow. What happened? Uh, there was a bit of to-in and fro-in. Um, the DJ kind of left the venue for a little while. Right. Of his own accord? Uh, he didn't have a lot of choice. <laughs> um, what happened? We just let the rest of the evening play out, really, to be honest, without it causing too much interference. So he, did he come back and finish the gig? He did come back and finish doing stuff on his laptop, yes. What a loser. Absolutely. Was his name Gary? Uh, no, I can't remember his name. Let's call him Gary, because all loser DJs are called Gary. <laughs> okay, Steve, we'll thank you for that. sharing that with thank me. Thank you very much. You've been an excellent person to sit next to on a plane. Thank you, and yourselves. Thank you. Oh, my God. I realise I have a real beef with DJs called Gary. I know in the Tony episode I did um, very recently with about wedding DJs, where I interviewed wonderful Tony, he, <laughs> I think I said... A very similar thing about dodgy DJs called Gary because there have been a few in my life. There it is. Thank you, Steve, for contributing unknowingly to the Save the Date Wedding podcast. I don't think Steve actually will uh, probably listen to this, but good on him for, for sharing his story and bad vibes to you, dodgy DJ Gary, who chooses to go and indulge in illegal things in the toilets rather than doing his job. That's bad. See, this is the thing, what Tony, exactly what Tony sort of said in episode 107. If you haven't listened to that episode, it is a cracker of an episode. I had such fun recording it. And Tony has DJed, he's been DJing for over 20 years and he's played over 2,000 weddings and over 10,000 club gigs. Like this guy is the shit. I'm not kidding. He's done a lot. He's done some crazy gigs at some in some crazy places for some very prominent people shall I say, he was very, um, he underplayed what he'd done in our interview, but just quietly, very experienced. But anyway, Tony, exactly what he said, you've got to get to know the people that you are hiring. And I'm sure if Steve and his lovely partner, his wife, had known that this dodgy DJ was going to go and do coke in the toilets, there is no fucking way they'd be paying him the money. Now, I'm not saying that just meeting people face to face, we've met lots of people in our lives that have we've vetoed them and then they've done something that's probably not what you'd expected them to do but by meeting people and having a Skype if you can't meet them in person and just having a bit of one-on-one you can usually get a bit of a vibe on what they're going to be like and you know from what Steve had said they hadn't really done that with this bloke and he let them down which sucks so if you get a strange feeling from someone if you get a weird vibe then I would say ditch them and start again Find someone that actually wants to be there and that doesn't need to use recreational drugs to enjoy your wedding. I'm very charmed to share with you a listener question and uh, I'm going to play it for you and then I'm going to tell you my association with this lovely person. (laughs) Dear virtual bridesmaid, Alicia, 
help required. My name is Harry. This is the first call I've made, but I'm a long-time listener to the Save the Day Wedding Podcast. Simple question, but one which I feel may require your expansive knowledge of wedding details. Wedding-y thingies. Thingies that are wedding-y. Who, in your opinion, should pay for the hire or purchase of outfits to be worn by the bridesmaids or the groomsmen? What's normal? What do you think should be normal? And what did you do on your wedding? Thank you. So full disclosure here, I know Harry. (laughs) I know Harry because he works with my husband, Richard. And uh, Harry had uh, put this question through to Rich. And I went, no, 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 no. We answer questions via the proper means in this situation. So if you want your question answered, then you must go to SpeakPipe. You must go to my website and record a question like everyone else does. And he's waited in line like everyone else. So thank you so much, Harry. You're sounding a lot posher in a recorded situation than you do in real life. So that's a backhanded compliment to you. Look, it's a great question. And it is one that a lot of people have been asking in regards to who pays for what. Now, I know that I have listeners, a lot of listeners in the United States of America, where things are a bit different. And in the UK and Australia, we seem to follow quite similar rules. Now, I would say, ultimately, the onus is usually on the bridal party to pay for their own shit. Now, when it comes to gentlemen's suits, it's actually really interesting because suits can be quite pricey. And in a very near coming episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit more uh, about the groom's attire and details that the groom needs to be focusing on in regards to weddings. One thing I think people forget about suits, especially, is how much rewear you can get when you purchase a quality suit. Now, I'm not saying this is for the whole wedding party, but especially for the groom. A suit you can wear for the next 20, 30 years if you buy a good one. I'm not talking about going down and buying some shitty off-the-rack suit. And if that's all you can afford, cool. But if you have the money to go and buy a tailored suit, something that's been made with love and quality merchandise, quality material, then you can wear it over and over and over again. So when we got married, Rich was in the market for a good suit and he went and purchased a nice, it was an off-the-rack suit that was then tailored to him. So it wasn't like he went and had a bespoke suit made because we didn't have that much coin, but he did go and have uh, it it tailored, especially the jacket. I think the trousers didn't need any tailoring. And he's worn that suit like to heaps of other weddings and to lots of other um, formal occasions. And also if you want a really good suit to go to an interview or to wear, well, God, who cares? A suit comes in handy all the time. And you think about how sometimes little um, attention is given to the males in the bridal party and their outfits when actually they're the outfits that can be reworn. Whereas a wedding dress, a majority of the time you wear it for seven hours and then it goes in the cupboard. So I think you need to be focused on um, thinking a little bit, especially from a groom's perspective about if you're going to purchase a suit, make sure you save some extra dollars slash pounds or whatever currency we're dealing in today and purchase something decent because the rewear is worth it. Now, Harry, it's a great question. If you were in a bridal party and you were asked to wear a specific suit, then I think that the couple in question that are asking you to do that need to be quite uh, open about the cost of said suit. 
if they're asking you to go out and spend a grand on a tailored suit, then I would be telling them to shove it where the sun don't shine. However, a lot of bridal parties these days aren't going for the matchy-matchy look. And that's what we did. Richard just said, wear a nice grey suit or wear your... I think they all wore grey suits. Maybe it was a bit of... I can't even remember if he specified to his... um gentlemen if they needed to wear a specific color they all just turned up in gray suits and it worked quite well we bought them did they wear a matching tie i can't even remember okay i've just gone and looked at the wedding photos that's ridiculous but this is the thing it doesn't really matter they did not wear matching anything and actually my brother-in-law eric is scottish so he wore his full scottish regalia he wore the kilt and everything, and it was bloody brilliant. And then uh, Casey and Bunny, our other friends, they wore lovely grey suits with their own sort of blue ties. I will put a photo on the blog. I'll put a savethedatepodcast.com. When you go to the show notes for this episode, you'll be able to see. However, I don't think it mattered that they didn't really match because in the end, the bridesmaids were all just wearing their black dresses that they chose and I bought them all a pashmina that was matching. So it made some sort of unity between the group. But otherwise, who cares? Who really cares? So in regards to that, if they're asking you to purchase a specific suit or a specific brand of suit then I think there should be some discussion about budget and expectations of how much you are willing to pay for said suit. Also, if you're buying a, a maybe in, in Britain, they would, well, they call it everywhere, but it's more popular in Britain, sort of a morning suit, which is a lighter suit that a lot of men probably wouldn't wear elsewhere if they're not suit-wearing guys, then that's also an extravagance perhaps that a lot of groomsmen wouldn't be willing to do. With suit hire, it's really important that if you're asking groomsmen to actually hire a suit, which, you know, a lot of people do, I also think it's very important that they actually show up to fittings because hire suits can look really shit if they're not fitted properly. You were never going to get a great tailored fit from a hired suit. I don't care what any suit hire places say. Of course, the big thing is that the groom and bride are dressed you know, to the best that they can. And I would say if you can get away with not hiring suits, then that's probably a good thing. Now, I know in Australia, many couples, part of the etiquette in Australia, and I think in the UK as well, is that many couples would then choose to be helping if you're hiring a suit or um, you are asking your groomsmen and bridesmaids to wear specific clothes, then you would pay for it or you would at least offer to chip in. So again, these are different rules and different etiquettes for different societies and cultures. But I do think no matter what you are doing, whether you are paying for it or whether you are asking your bridal party to pay for it, then you need to be very understanding of everyone's unique uh, situations, financial situations, and also to not guilt people and make them feel bad for not being able to afford what you want. I've been in a couple of situations both personally and via other people that have been in the situations is witnessing these things where a bride and groom have chosen rather expensive options when it comes to what people be wearing that are totally out of some of their bridal parties league. And I write about this in the guide to getting hitched. Part of the beautiful thing about your bridal party is that your friends and the people that you care about and they're all at different stages of their lives I've been involved in weddings where I have been broke and out of work and have just basically not 
paid for food the week before, have lived on canned goods to be able to go to weddings. This is stuff happens in your life. You have ups and downs and you can't expect everyone to shell out large amounts of money to purchase outfits um, because you had your eye on something that's $500 and it would look really good. So buy it and don't eat. I mean, you just don't want to be that person and you don't want to look back in 20 years time and your bridesmaid go, oh fuck, I could not afford it, but I felt so bad. I just bought it and I put it on my credit card and I got into debt because of you. You don't want that. You don't want that. So Harry, I say it is worth, well, actually I say to the bride and groom, I know that you were a groomsman coming up in a wedding and I would say it is absolutely their responsibility to have a conversation with the bridal party about their expectations of attire, what they would like you to wear and also be ballsy enough to actually admit or, or sort of say, uh, we would like you to wear this suit and it's going to cost 400 pounds. So that's what we'd like you to do and maybe have a discussion with you about it. It should be all about openness and honesty your friends. You should be able to do that. Final thoughts about that also is that if you are asking them to wear just a black suit or a gray suit or something, you know, you give them a color, not going to list all the colors, but maybe you tie them together with a tie, a matching tie or some sort of, well, you might buy a bonbon yearly. That's not the right word. Bonboni. (laughs) Oh, a bonbonieri is a gi- oh for fuck's sake. You know what a bonbonieri is? This is really amateur of me. You know how many I've hosted 112 episodes of a wedding planning podcast and I've written a book. A bonbonieri is actually like a gift that you give guests. It is not a buttonary. A boutonary is what I was trying to say. Oh my God. Is it time for me to have a coffee or perhaps a glass of wine at this stage of the day? I don't really know. What I was trying to say is maybe you could match a boutonary. These are what they are, the little flower things the guys wear on their suits, basically. Gosh, 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 gosh. And you come to me for advice. (laughs) Harry, thank you so much for, well, listening and asking your question. And uh, I'm going to his birthday drinks tomorrow. So I'll probably answer that question in person as well. There it is. Hey, if you have a question, visit savethedatepodcast.com. Promise I won't say bonbonieri again. They're usually like, you know, <laughs> sugar-covered almonds. It's a very traditional thing to say. A wedding favor if you're in America. Got some really tidy guests coming up in the next couple of weeks on the Save the Date wedding podcast. I am talking to a lovely London celebrant. Holly Smith is coming on to talk a lot about, uh, well, actually, it's a good extension of what I was saying today, finding your voice, writing great killer kraken vowels without having to to uh, replicate what other people are doing, really finding what you want to say in your wedding day. And also she's going to share some of the stories of the many weddings that she has conducted in the past couple of years. Also, I am talking about the wonderful option let's just put it, of eloping. Maybe you just want to give it all up, pack a bag and go and get hitched somewhere else. So I'm going to do an episode all about that as well. Until Monday, thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for your iTunes reviews. If you haven't reviewed and rated, head to the uh, iTunes page, search for Save the Date Wedding Podcast, give me five stars, write a couple of sentences and I'll be your best friend for evs. Until next week, happy days. Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.